I want to start out with a quote. This is from a saint that we celebrated on Thursday. His name is Saint Ignatius of Antioch. He lived in the year, uh, in those first centuries, he died for the faith in 107, which means that he lived in apostolic times. In fact, he was a disciple of John the Evangelist, the beloved disciple of Jesus. He actually knew him. So he was condemned for being a Christian. And he was going to be executed in Rome. And on the way, he wrote seven letters to the churches in Asia Minor. And this quote is from his last letter. I no longer take pleasure in perishable food or in the delights of this world. I want only God's bread, which is the flesh of Jesus Christ. And for drink, I crave his blood, which is love that cannot perish. This is a man who understands the gift of the Eucharist in the heart of the church. And he's able to go boldly and confidently to his death because of the gift of the Eucharist, which as we know is the promise of immortality. It is the anticipation of the eternal glory that Jesus wants to give to all of his chosen ones. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood, says the Lord, has eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. Saint Ignatius knew this, and this is why he could face death straight on with hope. Because that hope was renewed in every single Holy Communion. This is why we're going to spend a little extra time on this part of the Mass that we call Holy Communion. In order to understand the grace and the fruits that are offered to us when we receive communion worthily, with the right disposition. In the Gospel of John, chapter 6, our church has called this the Bread of Life Discourse. It's the teaching of Jesus on the Eucharist. And I'm always struck by one line in that teaching. He says, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, you will have no life within you. You will have no life. As our physical body needs food in order to live and be strong, our Christian life, our spiritual life, cannot live without Jesus who gives himself 
as our food in the Eucharist, his body and his blood. This is the first blessing of this gift. In the same teaching, he says something else that is very beautiful. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood, I will remain in him and he in me. Communion results in union with Jesus Christ. That person who receives me will remain in me and I in them. I I find so much comfort in this. My heart thrills with joy when I hear that teaching because this means that as we go out into the week and there's things that we don't even know will happen, we have the assurance with every communion that we will not be alone to face anything. When life is fearful, when life is sometimes overwhelming, and many times life is challenging, we never face it alone. Wednesday night I woke up in the middle of the night with cares and worries pressing upon me. I know that's happened to you as well. And immediately the Lord said, reminding me of what he promises in the Eucharist, I'm with you. I'm with you. And that's what allowed me to fall back to sleep. Another fruit. This is from the Catechism. As bodily nourishment restores lost strength, so the Eucharist strengthens our love, our charity, which tends to be weakened in daily life. That's an understatement. (laughs) And this living charity also wipes away venial sins. By giving himself to us, Jesus revives our love and enables us to break our disordered attachments to creatures and things and to root ourselves more deeply in him. There's two fruits mentioned here. First, the forgiveness of sins. Now, while it is true that we are still asked to take any serious sin to the sacrament of confession, because that sacrament is best suited for the healing of these serious breaks in charity. But for so many of the daily faults that you and I commit in the course of a week, those weaknesses, those imperfections, those failures to love, those can be forgiven in a devout reception of the Holy Eucharist. Because what are we doing here? Whenever you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you proclaim the death of the Lord until he comes. What is the death of the Lord? It's the proclamation of the forgiveness of sins that he accomplished by his death. 
Do we believe that when we come to communion, that Jesus wants to forgive our sins, that we leave here forgiven? We don't have to carry these sins around. They are forgiven with the reception of Jesus in the Eucharist. Boy, this is enough to put a skip in our step. And then the other fruit that's mentioned, charity. What is Jesus going to do in a moment? He's going to say, take this bread and eat it. This is my body given up for you. Take this chalice of wine, for this is my blood poured out and shed for you. And we take in that body of Jesus into our body, given up for us. We take his blood into our blood, which is shed for us, in order that we can do what? Do the same with our life throughout this coming week to say to everyone we encounter, here's my life that I want to lay down and pour out for you in all the little acts of kindness, thoughtfulness, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, understanding. We become a living Eucharist. We pour out throughout the week what Jesus pours into us at the moment of holy communion. (laughs) And by Friday, (laughs) we're going, boy, the well feels like it's getting empty. I need to get back to Mass because the opposite is coming out of me now. Impatience, anger, jealousy, envy, whatever. I need to receive Jesus again to be renewed and have that love revived in my heart. The last fruit that I'll mention this morning, there's many, we'll talk about those later, is that because we celebrate the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus in the Mass, we receive the power of that death receive the risen and glorified Christ in the Eucharist. We call this the Paschal Mystery. The Eucharist helps our life to take on the form of the Paschal Mystery, the death and resurrection of Jesus. Let me give you two concrete examples. Because of my ministry, I am part of many celebrations, baptisms, first communions, weddings, funerals, and many others. And sometimes there's programs that list the different participants. Well, one day, I just happened to notice, I don't usually notice, but that I was not mentioned in the program. How dare they forget moi? And so usually, I mean, this does, I don't even care about that. But on this particular day, this vanity began to stir in my heart. And I got a little miffed that I wasn't in the program. But because 
of the effects of the Eucharist, Jesus living in me, I took it immediately to Jesus, and in my heart, I asked the Lord to help me to die, to let this sin be buried by the death of Jesus so that it would not continue to ruin my day. And I was able at that moment to rise with a new humility that Jesus gave me. I was able to forget it, and I was back in peace. The Paschal mystery, it can die and rise at the very moment it happens. Do you ever feel lazy about doing the things that God asks you to do? There are mornings when I feel lazy when it comes to prayer. I know that God's asking me to pray, but sometimes that spiritual sloth just starts to move and wiggle in there, and I don't feel like praying. And so at those moments, I can take that laziness, I can take it immediately to Christ and let it die. And then a new strength can rise up in me to be faithful to the will of God to pray. Victory in Jesus. And these are just two examples of what we can do all week long. What will be the weaknesses or those little faults that will tempt us this week? Jealousy, envy, anger, what will they be? Let us take them immediately, plunging them into the Paschal mystery alive in us through the Eucharist. Let us die and rise a thousand times this week. So, now we are going to prepare to receive again the Eucharist so that we can receive its fruits and through the fruits our week will be a new week, a beautiful week because of the gift of the Eucharist. Amen.